Hello, um, welcome to the She's Electric podcast. I am going to launch straight into things because it's been a few weeks since myself and Kaya have recorded and I'm dying to catch up with her. Um, Kaya, tell me, you have moved country, you've done a life-changing coaching conference, you have earned more in your business in seven months than it took me three years to earn. You have absolutely killed it this year. Tell me what's going on in your life. Oh, thank you so much for that amazing intro. I mean, it's wild that the last time that I spoke to you was in person in yeah. Tallinn when I was like <laughs> hugging you goodbye after like the best week ever. Um, and a lot has changed since then. I think it was it was a pretty crazy experience coming off the back of such a kind of expansive, uplifting, mm-hmm. like genuinely like that was a life high for me. It was yeah. so it was just such an amazing week. Um, so just to give a bit of context to anybody listening, um, Pia and I attended a coaching conference in Tallinn um and a business accelerator which took place beforehand. So we were on holiday together a working holiday uh, for (laughs) seven days. Uh, We were staying in a beautiful apartment in the gorgeous city of Tallinn in Estonia um, for a week with no babies, um, no chores, uh, no (laughs) business. We thought we were going to be doing some like business while we were over there, but actually I took a full week off work and just immersed myself in the incredible community that we were a part of. And yeah, it was just, I think it was so lovely to have a week just being myself, Mm. you know, like being like not being a mum, not being Mm -hmm. a wife, not being a coach, just not being a daughter, just being like me Um, and having this freedom of time felt absolutely wild. Um, But as you can imagine, when I returned home, my Mm. husband- Straight back into it. Right. And he was obviously on his knees having looked after my son for actually about 10 days because they went to France and my son was ill. So my husband was seriously, seriously sleep deprived. Mm. We were about to move to a new country in like like, we had about a week um, and we had to do a lot like we hadn't done anything, pack up the whole house. Mm. So um, it was I'm not going to lie. It's been a journey. I think it went. (laughs) Went from very high to, you know, some some real lows. <laughs> Five yeah. months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back back um from the honeymoon period with a bang. Yeah, a big bang. <laughs> so how did you navigate that? I mean, it's been a ride. That much is that much is true. I think that in all honesty, I did the best that I could. And at times that wasn't great. I think that yeah. it, yeah it was and that's okay you know like it was a an incredibly stressful experience for both of us and there was just simply a lot to be done um Mm. and I think probably the main challenge was kind of sleep deprivation yeah and having a two-year-old running around who didn't know what was going on who Mm. you know just come back from a different country hadn't seen his mum for a week doesn't understand what's going on in the house and so I think that um I I noticed that my own patterns of thinking were different and not not 
not the best, if I'm honest with you. I think that one of the things that's very interesting that came up for me, which I know is something that we've spoken about in the past, is I don't identify as being a victim, but Mm -hmm. I noticed that there was a lot of thought patterns coming up where I was, you know, the saboteur, which is, you know, a pattern of a voice in your head, a pattern of thinking that was coming up for me was victim. And it was... I was blaming uh, my husband. I was judging my husband. My judge was in there a lot. Um, And that blame piece was quite destructive. It was kind of this, I noticed that my default a lot of the time was that I would be great. I'm amazing. I'm feeling great if, you know, you weren't in my space, Mm -hmm. if you weren't bringing the energy, your negative energy to me. Um, And I think that 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 was... um, that was probably the the most interesting and destructive thing that I noticed that was happening because it was it was kind of feeding negativity and I was fine I was getting very caught up in these narratives about you know blame and judgment um rather than empathizing with myself and with my Mm -hmm. husband that we were going through quite a big transition yeah um so yeah that that was that was what was coming up for me wow I mean there's so much there to pick apart but first of all the the most stressful thing next to someone dying in your family is moving house they've actually yeah they've they've measured it and it has the most amount of stress because you're, you're moving from your home and I actually found this last year when I returned from the super coach experience, I felt fundamentally changed. I'd had this incredible uplifting experience. I'd spent a week having these conversations with people that just inspired me and uplifted me. And then I arrived home to my husband and it was one at the time. And, you know, he'd had a very different week, you know, totally. (laughs) It's like a totally different, different experience. And then it's like, how do you align those two realities when you you come you feel like you've fundamentally shifted they've stayed the exact same and they've also been dragged down by all these stresses of day-to-day life um and it's 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 interesting that you slip back into those old patterns and you know what Kaya is talking about is these saboteur patterns which is the way that we make stories so um, he says you know he's in a bit of a bad mood instead of you asking him what's wrong, what we tend to do is in our head, we go, oh, he's annoyed at me because I went away and I had this great time. And, you know, we start to create a narrative and, you know, 99% of the time, the narrative that we say in our head is not true. So Steph could have walked in and he could have been annoyed over something completely different, or he could be thinking, Jesus, what am I going to make for breakfast tomorrow? You know, totally. but we create a narrative around our head or in our head. And it's, it, it is the source of so much unhappiness because unless you can actively validate the story that you're creating, you're you're, you're just making up exactly that. Yeah, and I think stories. that exactly. And I think that really this was such a great it was a humbling experience for me, if I'm honest yeah. with you, because that kind of bring back down to earth is that doesn't matter how many amazing people or amazing experiences you have the work is the same every Mm -hmm. single day and the work is not for other people the work is for you and I think that like everybody in the world like my master saboteur is the judge and Mm. the judgment that I had going on in my head was extreme you know like 
literally I could see I could feel that I was I mean thank god for mental fitness because I think that it just enabled me to at least rebound it was slow slower than usual because I was really really tired and a lot of energy had gone out but I was Mm. able to stop myself and be like what I'm experiencing a negative emotion for me the negative emotions were anger I was really angry (laughs) and I was very overwhelmed um and when I said to myself you know what is what's the saboteur at work it was either Mm -hmm. the victim or it was the judge I was judging you know constantly like my husband like why does he have to be so rude to me and it was just such like a lack of empathy to him and a lack of empathy to myself and I think you know it's always interesting that the way that we treat other people is the way that we treat ourselves so you know when Mm. we have a lack of empathy to ourselves we probably have a lack of empathy to other people and often we don't think we do you know when we're judgmental to ourselves we're probably very judgmental to others sometimes people find it difficult to recognize what those voices look like or that they're even Mm. there because they are so familiar you know? Completely. Yeah. Yeah. We've had a longer relationship with these voices in our head than we have with our partners, with our children, with, totally. you know, and what, the reason why mental fitness and positive intelligence was so profound for me is because it made me realize that these voices in my head and this narrative that I was building around my world was not true. And so, and it, like you said it there, it was like just taking stock and having awareness of my judges at play here. What What are the negative emotions at play here? And what I find is when I am in that train of thought and I'm, you know, annoyed at, say, Stephen for not getting up and exercising and I'm having a whole thing in my head about like, why isn't he getting up and exercising? (laughs) And then I'm like, he doesn't care about the health of his health and for the family. And I'm creating this whole thing. And then it's like, hang on a minute, Pia, is that true? You know, and it's just, it's pausing and going, you know, have you asked him? Yeah. Have you had a conversation? You know, and it's by doing that and stopping yourself and and stopping that narrative dead in its tracks. And it's just like taking responsibility for the fact that you are judging. Like it's so much judgment, you know? Completely. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then that's when we get into this pattern of nagging because you're going, you should really do this. And nobody does something because they're nagged into it. Totally. It's it's absolutely. And it's really interesting because what has happened in the last couple of days is that like Luke has been sick we went uh, he was swimming in a Mm. swimming pool and he drank loads of chlorine he was puking he's you know he's had coming out of both ends and because of what's just happened and I really noticed that my judge was out and my victim was out I can see that that pattern is like that's available to me and it's popping up again and this time I'm like I need to be kind. <laughs> mm-hmm. I yeah. actually like what what getting in my husband's back and getting involved in like he's allowed to be in a bad mood. He's allowed yeah. to be angry and I don't need to get involved in it and say to him, "Why are you angry?" you know, make yeah. it about me like, why, yeah. "Why are you being rude to me?" It's like I insert myself into his negative emotion mm. and then get angry that the whole thing gets um elevates you know it's ridiculous it's so childish it's like poking the bear and I actually think just now like uh he's really really tired today because Luca was up Mm. in the night and I didn't wake up he was up with him and I said to him just now you know it's understandable that you feel really angry and it's like it's empathy is just saying to somebody your negative emotion is understandable like don't try and fix it don't try and give him a reframe just say it's understandable 
Yeah. And then it's yeah. like, you know, just look around. Is there something I can do to help you? And usually the thing that you can do to help is to like be kind and not be like judgmental. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yet what we do is we kind of insert ourselves into the negative emotion and start getting judgy, which is the opposite of being kind. Completely. And, you know, it's interesting. Do you know where all this stems from? It's I listened to a podcast with this. She is a child behavioral uh, expert. But the way they describe her is she goes in and she fucks with your mind. So she goes in as like, I'm going to help you with your child's behavior. But really, she makes you realize that the problem lies with you and with, you know, how we react as adults to our kids behavior. And so as kids, we have always been told to shut down our feelings. Mm. She talks about that, you know. Oh, so if you're and I see it with my two year old, he's very emotional. He comes in and he, he's angry and he's happy. And, he, you know, he got onto an escalator yesterday and he just burst <laughs> out laughing because it was so much fun. You know, you wouldn't see an adult do that. Yeah. So they wear, they wear their emotions on their sleeves. But when they get upset and they start to cry and when we got upset as kids, we were told, stop crying. Just this is the way that all of these things were handled. And. What Dr. Becky says, which was I found so incredible, is like you need to acknowledge your child's emotions and you need to let them know it's okay to be angry. And I instead of saying that, you know, you shouldn't be like that, you Mm. shouldn't, you know, it's almost like the way she described it is we gaslight our kids. We tell them that their feelings aren't real. And then we go on to do the same with ourselves and we do the same with our partners. And it's, you know, Steph is tired this morning. That's okay. You know, and it's and for you to go into that conversation with your husband and say, you know, acknowledge, I know you had a bad night of that. I'm going to do what I can to make your morning easier. And you just let me know what you need. That is a very different conversation to why are you why are you in such a bad mood, which is what we've all done. Totally. And it's interesting because I think for me, it's combined with the fact that like, I'm a people pleaser. So often in yeah. this situation, what happens is I then go into like, what, oh my God, I've got to do everything. And then yeah. I build up resentment. And so it's like, it's this practice of just empathizing and saying, it's understandable that you feel like that. That's it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's love and kindness. Mm. And you just like, have your, have your moment. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, let the anger yeah, dissipate, point. you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing. We always we try to rectify these situations by actually quashing them. But it's like, let the emotion play its way out and then we'll, we'll come back. Mm. Um, and it's like that that thing that you brought up about Brene Brown saying, you know, it's not never 50 50 in a relationship. And this is something that myself and Stephen have really started to use in our relationship. So after a night like what Steph had, it's like I would wake up and be like, I have, I've got 20%. I'm really sorry. I have 20%. I just need to go off. I need some time to myself. Um, I need a slow start to the morning. And that's when Stephen steps in. And then later on, when he's at 40% and I'm at 60%, then it's what that's when I can step in. And that just having that way of communicating with each other has been so amazing for our relationship. Totally. And it's interesting because like when we were having some absolute Barneys mm. while we were packing up the house and yeah. I a couple of times said, because we're both running on empty, like this is, we need to be kind to each other. Like what we need right now is a kindness plan. It's really, really mm. difficult because it's not coming naturally. We're both really yeah. angry and we're both running yeah. on empty, but it's like, it, it, sometimes it's hard to if you haven't had that check-in on where you're at you know if you haven't said 
I'm at 30 and notice the other person's at 30 and that you're both running really low, things start to combust. And it's, you know, it's just like all of that kind of diminished energy that we already have, Mm. like our diminished energy, what we've got left, we're then spending on kind of something very draining, you know? Completely. And spending it on being right or being the one that is suffering more, you know, I'm more tired than you. (laughs) Totally. And I think that's where the victim mindset comes in is it's like, yeah, you know, I'm a victim, like poor me. You're you're the one in the wrong, basically. It's like mm. it's not relevant who's right or who's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It exactly. It's it, that is exactly it. And I remember being in in working situations where there was a huge complaint from a customer or a problem in the business. And you'd go into these meetings, and they're obviously very emotional situations, and people would spend so much of the meeting trying to pinpoint who was to blame and to prove that they weren't to blame. And I used to just shut those meetings down and go, I don't care. I, I just, how, how do we, because it doesn't matter who did. And it's the same with our, with our relationship, you know. Um, and what I find actually is when Stephen and I are both at that stage where we're like, I've got 30%. Um, but then you've still got this baby who still needs to be looked after all the time. Like Enzo doesn't go, okay, cool. You've both got 30%. I'm, I'm going gonna... to take it easy guys. I'm going to give you guys a night off. It's like, I am going to be a little devil. Exactly. So like, you know, Enzo has been having some monster uh, nappies that are just horrific. Oh so when we're both at 30%, we're like, okay, we're gonna do it together we're doing it together and then it's it's actually something a little bit more fun because you're just tackling it together and it's horrible but at least you're in it yeah you know so I, I definitely recommend that style of communication absolutely so how was your return from talent um yeah it's been so interesting like I had a very different experience to you like I came home to my like Stephen had, had a great week with Enzo uh he'd been really fun they'd been in really really good form together my mother-in-law was here she was able to help um, and when I went away for a week last time Enzo was really sick and Stephen was on his own and he he basically was trying to juggle work and a sick baby at home so this time it was like I came home to a delighted husband who had everything under control oh that's so great yeah it was really nice um but so one of the big things that we covered when we were in talent was this whole idea of identity identity change to drive behavior change so one thing that Elisa did as well, she's one of the coaches. You're here now. This is this is you. And these are your goals. And she mapped them over the other side of the page. And she says, you know, you can't achieve your goals right now. That's not going to happen immediately. You can't achieve that tomorrow. Um, but she said, what's the kind of identity of the person who has achieved those, do- those goals? What do they do? How do they behave? And so we had to write those out, you know, um, and so for me, it was all about, I need to stop working as an employee of my business and start working like the leader of my business. Um, if I'm going to have a business that I'm able to bring online um, and scale, essentially, and reach more people, I'm going to have to start thinking differently instead of just being someone who just works in my business. So when we mapped out that identity, she said, you can step into that den- identity right away. You can start doing those behaviors right away. And that for me was this wow moment, because I was like, you're right, like I and I always say this to my clients, I, I'm like, because they all say they want to grow their turnover. I'm like, OK, you can't influence or guarantee that you're going to grow your turnover by 20 percent next year. But you can guarantee that you will influence the levers that 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 can impact your turnover or not. And it's the same. I just when I was 
saying this to them, I wasn't seeing it for myself. You know, I wasn't seeing that there is this identity shift that needs to happen and that can happen right away. So I have been really working to think more like a, a CEO, a managing director who is working with teams and getting results through people rather than doing it all herself. And so for three years in my business, I have been doing accounting. I've been doing uh, sales. I've been doing marketing. I've been doing everything. And because I've been doing it all, I've been doing it all very, you know, uh, surface level. So I, and I said this to you before that I had brought in a bookkeeper into my business, but now I've, I've also brought someone else in. So she is a, an amazing woman who is helping me to bring my brand online. And so she did a photo shoot with me. She has done a whole content strategy um, for how I'm going to start showing up online because I have built this business and it's growing. And I'm really proud of the work that I'm doing. And I'm working with a lot of food producers to create um, more profitable and sustainable sources of revenue for them. But I don't have an on, I don't have my business isn't online at all. And it's 2023, you know, which is absolutely crazy. So I was like, I need to change this. I need to. Um, I need to reach more people by by being online. And so Chiara is helping me to do that. And it's been so refreshing working with a professional. Like I've finally gotten in someone who, you know, my clients get in someone like me to help drive their business forward. And I've just never done it for myself. I've always just been the person who does it, actually. Well, she's a friend. She's someone who lives down the road and she um, she's Swiss and she speaks French and German and like fluent Serbian fluent English she's got four languages and a big part of what I do with my clients is I help them develop uh, new sources of revenue um, in export markets so bringing on someone who has multiple languages is like this you know that's going to be game-changing for my business yeah so I'm trying to I'm trying to align myself or bring people into my business who can make it more instead of this idea that I need to do it all myself you know and hearing that saying you know women today can have it all they just can't do it all and that has been something that has just stuck with me for I understand why women do it because they are held to an impossibly high standard and women even as little girls you know they need to be perfect and they need to do it all themselves and, and I'm on this journey that I can actually enjoy my life so much more. I can get so much more done when I bring other people in. So I spoke, um, I have a neighbor. She's the same woman who, who made the cake for Enzo's birthday party. And we've been just really getting on so amazingly. And she has such a passion for food. And I, she's, is, she's Swiss and she speaks four languages fluently. So in export markets. So it's a really big part of what I do. Um, and so I had a conversation with her recently about her helping me to to develop up new business for clients um, abroad in France, in Germany, um, in all the places where she speaks these languages fluently. And it was it was a really interesting conversation because here's a mom. She has moved over to Ireland to support her husband who was working in a full time job. Right. And this, this is a really common story. She has two kids and she had a, she learned and she had a really dynamic career there. Now, it wasn't one that she enjoyed, just like me, just like you. You didn't enjoy your career, but, you know, you make great money from it. But it was all encompassing. And then when she had kids, she realized she couldn't do this job. You know, it sound familiar. So now she's at home and she's looking after her kids. But that's not enough. 
Totally. You know? And and it was not it wasn't not enough for me when I was on maternity leave. And I don't care if that makes me a bad mother, but being a mother full time isn't enough. No, and also it's too hard. It's like it's too hard. Lenting. I'm like, I need to go to work to like go to the toilet on my own. <laughs> Let's have a break. Exactly. And I know that I totally, I am a better mother when I'm not doing it all the time. I need to take space from being a mother, go and do something that's filling up my own cup um, and helping me to kind of, you know, helping me to discover who I am as a person and reach my potential as a person. So, so this woman has been in that stuck in that loop of like I'm I'm a mom and I love this but it's also I don't want to do it all all the time so we had a conversation and what I'm trying to do is create a business that is helping entrepreneurs food entrepreneurs but it's powered by entrepreneurs so I don't want to own any of my employees I I want them to be freelance I want them to be able to work flexibly I want the you know instead of saying I want to have eight hours of your time every single day Mm, they're their own boss they're their own boss. And it's like, these are the outputs I want to deliver. This is what we agree at the start of a project with the client, you know, not your time. And so my friend Yelena, she, you know, initially she was a bit worried because she was like, oh, how much time will this take? And I, and I said, you know, these are phone calls or, you know, a bit of work that you would do, say, for half an hour. And then you go do the laundry or then you go collect your daughter. Um, and then you do another phone call, you know, it's this is about delivering outputs. And it's just it's such a different way of working to how we've all been conditioned that it's like uh, you need to sit at a desk and you need to be there for four hours and you get a break and then you sit there for another four hours. It's just it's a totally unproductive way of working. And what I have found is when I set up my business, I've been so conditioned into that behavior that that's how I worked. And it, that's why my business didn't move forward. Mm. Whereas now I'm always going, okay, so what are the outputs that I want to deliver for this month? And then I condense it down to this week. What is it that I need to move forward to get to that monthly, uh, you know, output that I need to get to my 90 day priority? You know, I'm always working back from from there. And if I sit at my desk for eight hours or whatever, even three hours, my brain starts to go soft. You know, I have to get up. I have to move around. It's so, so interesting. It's been a really, yeah, it's just, it, well, this is just the learning that I've had. And it's this is where businesses are going to have to change the working model because it just, it's not only, like it's a really good way of controlling someone. I own, I own you for eight hours a day and you sit there and I can see you, but it's a really bad way of, of getting people to be productive. Um, so what I'm trying to do is just do things a little bit differently. And what I have found is since becoming a mother is that they are this untapped, resource of productivity absolutely oh god it's like get me more mums in the business if you want people who are really productive extremely efficient who are like full of great ideas and you know just want to be creative Uh it's mothers like it's mothers you know and uh, what the narrative that I always heard working in the meat industry very male dominated was once a woman has kids she's not she she's not going to be there for the business her priorities have now shifted to her kids and she starts to be left out of crucial meetings uh and I, what I have found and this has been my experience as a girls and it's at that point that the women who are doing really really well in the business they have kids and their their careers start to kind of falter and um, also because they can't dedicate as much time when the, when a baby is sick 
you know, the baby's sick and, and you're out. So the leaders of the business go, oh, that means she's not committed. It's like, yes, she is committed, but she's not committed to this eight hour a day model anymore because she can't be. What I love about what you're saying um, is it's talking about the identity piece is it's it's very different, but it is similar. It's it's like almost not opposite, but it's it's I tell you what I've been vibing off this week is I have mm. just been laser focused since we got to this beautiful place. And I'm like, fuck, this is my life. It's literally gorgeous. I'm getting up swimming in the sea every day. It oh. is like magical. Amazing. Like I want to make a lot of money. And I am not ashamed to say that, but I don't want to work really long hours. And so I'm noticing that there is this belief that is deeply ingrained in our society that like hard work is a great virtue. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. if you want to be successful, you need to work hard. And I think like I am laser focused on on learning that right now. And I'm kind of like I notice that I have this real tendency to kind of get very panicked and start thinking about there being all of these things that I need to do. And actually, you know, going back to Pareto's principle, which, you know, I'm sure many people have heard um, expressed in lots of different ways. It's simply like the 80 20 rule, which is that 20% mm-hmm. of your tasks create 80% of your revenue. If we're talking about a business sense, or 20% of the things that you do in your life create 80% of your positive emotions or your happiness. So I'm really thinking about that in a kind of holistic perspective of my life. Mm. I'm like, what are the things that I actually need to focus on in my business? Stripping it right back. There's not all of these things that I have to do, which is like, that's a very familiar pattern of thinking, you know, and that's yeah. tied into yeah. that old identity that hard work is a virtue. Mm-hmm. And that if I want to be successful, I need to work really hard. You know, I, yeah. need, to, I need to be uh, up, up at night, pouring everything into my business. That's the only way I'm going to be successful. And I am just reprogramming my brain right now to be like, the less I work, the more money I make, the less I work, the more money I make, which I get for some people probably sounds ridiculous and counterintuitive. But actually, it's making me have to be really focused on every time I sit down at my computer, what is the number one thing that's actually going to move the needle? And so Mm -hmm. if I'm just going to sit down for half an hour and do one thing, what's that going to be? And I'm telling you right now, most of the time, it's not an email. No, uh, see, and absolutely. And this is really not right. It's like there are very few things that are going to move the needle. And people, we all waste time because most people are working in these environments where, you know, their boss owns their time and they're there for Mm -hmm. eight hours a day. But, you know, the same is true in your life. I'm telling you right now, if you've got half an hour, you can choose to sit down and you can choose to do mental fitness. You could choose to do a meditation. You could choose to do a stretch or you could choose to scroll on social media or you could choose to watch the news or you could choose to switch on your television or you could go for a walk. All of those activities are going to have a very different effect on how you feel and on your body um so I think it's really interesting I mean I love this we've you know I've we've talked about it many times but you know you're and I'm sure people have also heard it a lot of times but it's like this saying that your life is you're a product of the five people that you spend the most time with Mm. right so people people know that and I'm sure you know they have spent some time thinking about that but another interesting question is so I'm really focused on kind of having more fun in yeah, my life because yeah. I think that I've been quite serious in this kind of last year growing my business and another interesting question is like who are the five people that you like most in the world yeah and then it's like who are the five people that you spend the most time with and if these two if these two groups are completely different 
why there's the problem yeah. like but yeah. why it's not even it's just like why mm. like in yeah. your life it comes back to that kind of 80 20 rule again get who are those people that you really like that you mm. really really like and when are you going to be seeing them next what are you doing to make sure that they are you know coming into your life so that you can enjoy your life more right yeah yeah and it's like what do you love doing and how much time are you spending doing it yeah I think you know the people that we choose to spend time with or the people that we do spend time with it's like the email rule it's it's a habit you know I went into my work every day totally and the first thing I did was answer my emails and then I would come across all these issues that need were just needed firefighting and I went into firefighter mode for the entire day total reaction and I never actually moved projects forward well I did but it was at a glacial pace (laughs) Right. And this is where mothers are such an untapped resource because they don't have time to spend eight hours, you know, trying to figure something out. They're like, I have an hour, you know, when my baby's napping that I need to get this done. And I'm about to go in, you know, having another baby. I have less time, if anything. So I my my time resource is way more precious than it has been before. Um, So it's being really, really clear on what are the things that are sapping my time? Who And just like you say, who are the people that are sapping my time? Because we end up doing the same things. We have the same patterns, the same habits, because it's just comfortable. Absolutely. You know? And I think that it's a great skill for anybody to cultivate is like loving people from a distance. You know, yeah. there are people who you love, but they drain your energy. And that is true for every single person that I speak to. And mm being cognizant of what is going on in the relationships that exist in your life is important being intentional about you know what are the boundaries that you want to set and how much Mm -hmm. energy do you want to give to different things because all of the time that you're giving out energy to places where it's being drained that's all energy that you're not giving to your children to your partner to you know the people that you actually love that could uplift you everything is a choice yeah, yeah. And one thing that I have been, it's one of my words for 2023, I said it before, is boundaries. And um, because I've been so bad at putting in boundaries, I'm just like a typical pleaser. I think a lot of women are pleasers. Um, and it's when I'm spending time with people and they just want to have a, a pity party or they want to complain about the world. You know, this is what's so bad in society. This is what's, you know, so bad with the government, blah, 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 blah. You know, I've been or I've been practicing and getting better at saying, you know, if you want to talk about that, that's fine. Just I'm not the person for it, you know, and I kind of stop them and say, you know, can you change this? No. Okay. Well then why are you putting your focus on it? Um, You know, so it's like, you can still have the people in your life who you love very much, but it's about snapping them out of that, stopping them out of the habits that we all just kind of fall into, you know, and this is what you and I have learned so much over the last year is that our brain likes to create patterns because that's what makes things easier for it. You know, it has so many things to remember, so many processes that it has to do every single day that it creates these habits. And it's about having that little bit of awareness and going, is this is this habit serving me? Is this helping me or is it hurting me? And what I found that for a long time in my life and in my business, I was doing things on repeat every day that were actually delivering very little value or they were hurting me. And I cannot believe the amount of change that has happened in my last year since I started to acknowledge these things and go okay 
where did I want to be? This is where I want to be at the end of the year. Okay, so work my way back. This is where I need to need to be after nine months, after six months, after three months, and then making my weekly plan around that. And just like what you said before, my day does not start with me checking emails because all that does is it sends me loads of other people's to-do lists and they say, P, I need you to do this or you need to do this. It's not me moving my own projects forward. Totally. And actually, it's kind of, do you know what? I feel like I'm in this state of just like liberation right now because it's like yeah. I've got rid of my house, right? Our apartment we're staying in is so much smaller than my house in London. Yeah. So it's like already I have like less belongings. There's less to clean. There's less laundry. And it's really making me think this whole kind of like accumulation of stuff that just like weighs you down it's like Mm. the more space you have the more there is to clean the more clothes you have the more there is to like you know almost the more that you have the more there is to lose and the more there is to take care of Mm. um and I think that one of the things that you know we took six months out of London last year we were in France and in that time I saw my business move forward a lot not necessarily in terms Mm. of revenue, but in terms of like me gaining clarity and me moving forward in my mindset and in, you know, knowing what it was that I was going for. And a lot of that was to do with the fact that I wasn't around the people that I'm normally around. I wasn't Mm. in the old environment that I'm normally in. So it was so much easier for me to shift identity at a much more rapid rate. And I think that it, you know, I, I, that, that, it was necessary for me. Like, mm. I think that there are a lot of people in London who are doing the same thing and who are doing the same life. And sometimes it can be really hard to kind of be moving towards something else. Like, I don't know that many other people who are running their own businesses. I don't know that many other people who are kind of not working and who want to don't want to work long hours and don't want to work hard and want to make kind of this amount of money. And so it's some of those relationships, whilst I love people and it's nothing to it's not that there's something wrong with them it's that right now that's not that circle isn't going to expand my mind and that Mm. circle isn't going to get me to the next stage yeah and I think that sometimes it's again about this like this repression of like we're not able to say what it is that we want and we're constantly focused on what other people think about us and when you let go of that and you just say but what is it that I want you know yeah yeah and in order, you know, you said it before, who do you need to be to get the things that you want? And the person that I need to be to get the things that I want is somebody who is in a kind of community of people who are also reaching up for those things, who are talking about these ideas, who want to talk about business, who want to talk about making a lot of money. And that is, you know, that, that requires me to get out of my comfort zone Mm-hmm. of yeah. my you know my existing relationships and it requires me to make new relationships with new people yeah. and you know the most amazing thing about Tallinn was on the last night you, the dinner that we were we were at like looking around that mm-hmm. table and it was just the most amazing group of women and I was like I didn't know any of these women a year ago now mm-hmm. I'm like every single one of them is a fucking badass and I consider them to be a really good friend. Like yeah. they know so much about me. Like yeah. they know my deepest, you know, some of my biggest secrets, some of the things that I'm so ashamed of, you know, some of my biggest mm. fears and also my dreams and also my goals. And I, I just, all I encourage people to know is that like things can change so quickly. Like so much has changed in my life in the last 12 months. And it's making me really excited for like the next 12 months. But I can tell you what, 
a year ago, I didn't believe it was possible. I didn't yeah. believe that this much could change. And everything is bigger. Everything is brighter. And those relationships are the thing that I think is giving me the greatest sense of abundance. It's that connection. It's that knowing people actually like meaningful relationships with people that really inspire me. Um, and I was hungry for that. I was lonely and I was really, yeah. really hungry for that connection. And I think those patterns that you were talking about before, sometimes in those relationships that we've had for a long time, the conversations are about people. It's catching up. What did you lose? But, you know, it's these, it's these conversations which are just patter. Mm-hmm. There's, not that much, there, there's not that much discussion about ideas. There's not these kind of lofty questions. People aren't asking you things like, but what do you really want? exactly yeah I mean that's what shifted for me so much because I always had myself with this label that I oh I'm very introverted and I don't do small talk and I don't like small talk you know and I'm not introverted when I'm in the right group of people and when we're having conversations about these big ideas yeah I'm really bored when I'm talking about people and what you know they did last week and I am bad at that kind of small talk it just doesn't interest me um, and one thing you said there, which is it's something about is what are the goals that you have, right? What are the things that you want to achieve? And then think of people in your circle or in your network or in your friend group who have achieved those things or who are doing those things. So whether it's something like you want to lose weight, who are your healthy friends? What are they doing? What are their behaviors? Because when you do surround yourself with people who this is just naturally part of what they do, you start to shift your own behaviors. But if you're trying to create big change in your life by not changing anything in your external world, it's just never going to happen. Totally. And, you know, it's interesting because I think that sometimes, like, you know, obviously in the line of work that I do, which is one-on-one coaching, um, there's always this interesting kind of dance at the beginning where usually clients say that they're not sure what their goals are they don't know what their vision Mm. is and actually when we start to talk about it goals are not like you know I want this job at this time like yeah my goal is that I want to be when I think about what I want it's that I want to be in love with my husband I want to be in a passionate kind loving relationship I want Mm. to have fun I want my life to be exciting full of adventure full of connection and full of fun so you know sometimes the word goal is people are associating it with this kind of very specific thing and an emotion is very specific right yeah if you get laser focused on how you want to feel and when you when you were just talking then it's like yeah that was the, a great example about, you know, if you want to lose weight, you should look at the people around you who are healthy. The same is true of relationships. Like if you mm-hmm. want to have a great marriage, start spending time with people who are in great marriages and stop mm. spending time with your friends who just want to talk shit about their husbands all the time. Yeah. Because you're going to find yourself caught up in that conversation. And then as you talk about it, it's coming into your mind. And when you go home to your husband, it's going to be top of your mind. You know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You speak things into reality. The things that you say happen and come true. Yep. I am constantly saying that I'm going to be a millionaire. (laughs) And that's why I spend time with you because I'm like, (laughs) the habits that Kaya has, I want to have them. No, it's it's and, you know, I think this is such an important topic that we're going to dive deeper into it in in further episodes, because I definitely want to go back to that idea of end goals versus a means to an end goal, um, because that for me was very, very life changing. 
but I'm also conscious of time. So I want to ask you, Kaya, what was your high for this week? What was your low and what did you learn? So I think my high for this week was driving away at four o'clock in the morning in a taxi on our way to Gatwick, just like with the house done. That was a real high. Um, And I had the same feeling when we were like finally on the plane. It was just like, we've done it. Um, Yeah. I think my low was just getting involved in arguments with my husband that were just draining. Um, And I think what I learned is that when I am blaming, I need to take a look in the mirror because the work is not like my negative emotion is not my husband's responsibility. It's mine. Hmm. That's a really good learning. Well, it's a relearning, right? A relearning. This is something that we practice. A daily relearning. Absolutely. What about you? Um, so I so my high has been the the level of momentum that has come into my business since I have stepped into this identity of being the CEO versus the employee. Um and working with freelancers and realizing that I can A, not only give someone a source of income, because you know, when I hire people, I'm helping to support their business, but B, they can do it far better than I can do it because they're experts in what they do. So me trying to learn all about social media and, you know, digital marketing strategy, like that is pulling me away from what is really important to me, which is my client work. I love my client work. So that has been a real profound moment for me, especially as I'm drawing ever closer to my due date and I'm going, Pia, you need to work differently if you want to keep this business going. And it doesn't just shut the moment you go on maternity leave. Um. So I've been having a lot of fun with that. And I'm seeing now that there are even after my I have my baby and I want I do want to take a good bit of time off. I can see that my business, if I keep doing what I'm doing, my business will still be running when I'm not there. Um, And then my low has been it's back to the same thing of I feel like my lows are always me shouting at my son, (laughs) which is terrible. But it's like I I when he when he erupts erupt. it's so ridiculous it's, he's not in, in control of of his emotions but this work that I have I, I've been following with Dr Becky has been so much about empathy and this kind of ties into what I've learned is that it's okay for me to have an angry response exactly you know the problem is what my pattern has always been I get angry and then I go into the shame spiral of like I'm such a bad mother I can't believe I shouted at a two-year-old I'm and I I just feel like a piece of shit and now what I'm trying to do is okay so I, I I'm working on the on the anger and, and getting annoyed at Enzo and like you know grabbing him and saying don't do that I'm working <laughs> on that but what I can change right now in the moment is how I model my behavior afterwards and how I repair the relationship afterwards and how I show him how to say sorry yeah and you know and that for me has it's taken so much pressure off me when I do lose it because I'm really I I'm so far from perfect it's like ridiculous so like I do lose it and but now I'm not getting the shame spiral anymore and I'm going okay I messed up but I say to Enzo you know mama shouldn't have shouted I'm really sorry and I'm like you know Enzo you shouldn't have in this case gotten one of my really nice plants and he like <laughs> fucked it across the room because he was annoyed over me not giving him his dodo you know <laughs> so it's like but I lost it 
but it's it's me you know being able to say to him look I'm sorry that I shouted yeah and it's super and important work on like fix- yeah what's super important that you're saying there is it's like you want him to know that his anger is okay and it's like well, yeah then you need to show him that your anger is also okay yeah that, that's it exactly and what I've been trying to do for so long is squash down my my, my own I'm anger. Not angry. exactly and not acknowledge like yeah okay I am pissed off that I got <laughs> this really nice plant and you threw it across the room <laughs> So that has been, they've been my lows, but they've they've been my lows, which have turned into my biggest learnings this week. Amazing. I love that. So thank you so much for joining us this week. We really hope that our conversation has helped to kind of provoke your own thoughts about, you know, who are the people in your life that you're spending time with? What are the behaviors that that you have right now? Are they going to get you to where you want to be? Um, so please, if you think that this conversation is in any way helpful to any of your friends or anyone that you know, please share uh, and subscribe. Thank you.